All right, wow. We're here, and uh, hey, uh, it's great to be here with you. Um, been looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you uh, this morning. Some of you who've been here for a little while will know that uh, I was here one Wednesday night uh, teaching, and I brought this message on Psalm 46. And someone afterwards came up to me and said, boy, the whole church needs to hear this. And so maybe that was a prophetic word, I don't know, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll explore that today and uh, just go through Psalm 46 if you want to turn there with me. And of course, Psalm 46 verse 10 is probably one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible. Um, I can't, I, I believe that, that millions and millions of people throughout the centuries have found comfort and healing and courage and strength from these words, be still and know that I am God. Amen. When we're facing struggles and trouble, just those words, be still. And I think the best part about it is it's actually God saying those words. He speaks it to our hearts and I know that uh, it's, it's been a comfort in my life. I'm sure these uh, words have been a comfort in your life. But as I studied the, the Word of God and studied this particular passage of Psalm 46, I discovered that these words have not yet reached their ultimate fulfillment. As a matter of fact, God has these words planned out for some people in the future, and they will be the most comforting words that the world has ever heard. And so I kind of like for us to consider this because, you know, we're living in a time where we need to hear the word of God and we need to understand what God's perspective is, what God's plan is, more than any other time that I can ever remember. But, uh, and, and I know God's word has a lot of comfort. And we've got to remember something that in the midst of all of the things that are going on and all of the things that are happening in our lives, God's working out his plan. God's got his program and his plan, and we're all a part of it. I praise God for that. And, and a lot of times it's just a struggle for us to be able to say, okay, God, put my stuff aside, put my plans aside, put my will aside, and let your will be done. Because it's going to happen anyway. God's, God's going to bring about his program whether we're a part of it or not. And he just says, hey, if you want to be a part, go ahead, you know. Um, but so often we kind of get caught up in our own little worlds and our own little things that are going on. And we forget that God says, hey, I'm moving towards an end and it's going to be a good end. Amen. Yeah. So as we uh, kind of consider this passage, I just want to uh, kind of walk us through it because I, I found it to be really, really interesting when we, um, uh, as I, I went through. So here's Psalm 46, verse 1. Let's say this together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Those words are comforting as well, aren't they? Um, how many of us have ever gone through a time of trouble and found that to be just so true? that oh, God is, is a place of refuge. He's a place we can run to. It's kind of like when there's a storm. You don't want to be out in the elements and having all of the, the weather hit you. You need a place of refuge. You want a place where you, know, you go into a home or you go into the place where you, you have comfort and you have protection. 
God is our refuge. You know, one of the things that I discovered as I was reading through the Bible is that um, as, as you read through the lives of people like Abraham and David and so on, uh, you find that they, they discovered God in new ways. They discovered new aspects of who God was and how he could minister to them in their, in their lives. And one of the things that has always been a blessing, and I'm sure I hope that all of you have discovered, is that God is our refuge. God's the place to run to when things are going crazy. God is our refuge and our strength. He will be our strength. You know, Jesus, or, or Paul even reminded us in the New Testament, he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, who strengthens me. And, you know, there's a lot of times when we're just weak, but he says, a very present help in trouble. Now, we're living in some times where there's a lot of trouble in the world, isn't there? And uh, I, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's going to get a lot better. Uh, but uh, I hope so. I sure hope, but you know, they're saying, oh, there's a new normal now. Oh, we're never going to be the same again. Well, that's okay because we know, first of all, if we're in a time of trouble, God's present with us. We can, we can run to him and he'll bring our comfort. He'll bring our hope. He'll bring uh, stability and peace to our hearts. Let's look on. It says, therefore, will, uh, will not we fear. Sorry, this is the old, old King James version of it. it, it uh, I'm just so used to it. Um, therefore, we will not fear. You know, that's a determination that we have to make as individuals, right? Because the default uh, reaction to a lot of things is fear, isn't it? Uh, when, when something happens, the first thing we do is, is, is we get fearful. I think about different situations in the Word of God where uh, that was the case. Uh, I think about when, when the uh, children of Israel were, were facing the Red Sea. Remember that little episode? I mean, they had already seen God do tremendous things, all of the, the plagues in Egypt and how he brought them out. Uh, and, and here they were. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't go as smoothly as they had planned. They get up to the Red Sea, and they look back, and Pharaoh's army's after them. And what'd they do? They said, oh, we will not fear. No. They went to the default mode, which is, freak out. Right? That's what they, they freaked out. But it didn't matter, because God had it taken care of. And we, we know the story. We know the end of that story. Think about when David uh, faced Goliath. But for weeks, or at least days, I think it was weeks before that, Goliath had been out there taunting the entire army of Israel. And they were just shaking, as the, as the song says, shaking in their armor. Because of this one guy, they were fearful. You see, fear is the default reaction that we have. And it's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing. You know, there's times when we need to have fear, you know, and I'm walking on a ledge. I want to be fearful that I, I don't get too close to that. I want that fear to keep me safe and keep me uh, cautious. But we don't have to allow fear to overtake us. And as I was studying through this psalm, I realized, that though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, I thought, wow, that's a, that's a pretty heavy-duty uh, 
situation to have to deal with. You know, the earth being removed and the mountains being carried into the midst of the sea. Now, I, I've experienced an earthquake once in my life. <clears throat> okay, it was in, up in Orange, and I was getting ready for church one morning, and uh, it's downstairs, and all of a sudden I, I feel this rumbling. And I, 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 it, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was the washing machine just kind of going, you know, when it, when it loses its balance and it starts going. I, I, you know, and, but that kind of freaked me out. You know, when you, when you start to feel the earth move, God says we don't even have to fear when the earth is removed and the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea. Um, let's read on to this. It says, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. That's going to be some earthquake. And I think he's talking about sometime in the future. I really think that this is going to happen. I, it was interesting that, that the first song that these guys sung today was Jesus, our Savior, he can move the mountains. Yeah. And I want to show you from the Word of God where Jesus is going to move a mountain. It's in Zechariah. Come on. Zechariah chapter 14. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. And I, let me just kind of back up for a second. I think Psalm 46 is predicting the day of the Lord. And you'll see that because this is Zechariah describing the day when Jesus Christ returns. And we'll see a lot of parallels between Psalm 46 and this, this passage right here. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. This is, he's talking to the, basically the city of Jerusalem, and we'll see that as it comes along. But he's, he's prophesying to the city of Jerusalem because that's where it's all going to basically be centered. And it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to come forth. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem in the east. So it's kind of telling us what's going to happen in the future. Jesus is coming back and his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people that just kind of can't get that. They, they just, oh, I don't believe that's going to happen. You know, they, they, they kind of want to be like an ostrich with their head in the sand, not, not think, oh, these things are going to happen. But, you know, Jesus said every word of God. It said not one jot, not one tittle is going to pass until all be fulfilled. Right. And our great hope is that Jesus Christ will return and his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. Amen. You know, even the Old Testament Jews... And even the, the, the modern-day Jew, Jewish people who believe in the Word of God, believe uh, Zechariah, believe that, G, that the Messiah's feet will come and stand on the Mount of Olives. You know what the Mount of Olives is right now? I've, we've been over there several times, and I, I feel like it should be called the Mount of Graves. Okay? Because they believe this scripture so much that, all, see all that light, light area right there? You know what that is? Those are graves. The Jewish people want to be on the Mount of Olives when the Messiah returns. That's why they want to be buried there. So uh, all of those, uh, all of that is, is one big cemetery on the Mount of Olives. Jesus' feet are going to hit the Mount of Olives, and when they do, it's going to be quite the adventure. However, just a little advertisement. We're planning on going over to the Mount of Olives. 
Um, actually, Lynn and I, wait a minute, where did we go? There we are. Um, that's us, our feet standing on the Mount of Olives. And the reason I put that there is I wanted to show you the proximity of the Mount of Olives to the city of Jerusalem. See that little golden thing right there? That's the Dome of the Rock, which is in the center of the old city of Jerusalem. That's how close the Mount of Olives is to the city of Jerusalem. And so when Jesus returns, uh, who knows, maybe he'll be right there where we're standing right there. But if your feet would like to stand on the Mount of Olives, come on, join with it. We're going next March, Lord willing. And the creek don't rise as the saying goes. But um, it's, it's a, a tremendous time. And I'll tell you what, if you do want to go, you better get there soon because at some point Jesus is going to return and the Mount of Olives ain't going to be there anymore. It's not. Look at what it says in Zechariah chapter 14. It says, And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. So if you want to get on the Mount of Olives, you've got to hurry up and get there because it's going away. Savior, he can move the mountains. Amen? Amen. He's going to move the mountains. But this is all a part of God's renovation plan. See, he's got a renovation plan uh, planned out for this, uh, this world here. And, and this is part of it. That's going to be quite a thing. Remember back in Psalm 46? We will not fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea. That's going to happen. I don't think this is figurative. I think it's literal. So Jesus is going to come. His feet are going to hit the Mount of Olives. He's going to split into that's the mountains being removed and the, the, uh, them being thrown into the midst of the sea of Psalm 46. Then Psalm 46 goes on to say, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now, class, what city is he talking about? Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is a river. You know, I've been to Jerusalem several times. There's no river in Jerusalem. Now. Let's go back to Zechariah. Come on. Oh, okay. It says, God is in the midst of her, Psalm 46, 5. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. Okay? So he's talking about Jerusalem. and says, God is in the midst of her. Is God in the midst of her right now? No. He's not. <laughs> We've been over there. I've looked for him. He's not there. Okay. A lot of cool things, but God isn't there right now. He's not literally in the midst of her. He will be someday. I believe that's what Psalm 46 is talking about. Psalm 46 hasn't been fulfilled yet. Come on. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's what Psalm 46 is referring to. But here's back in... Uh, Okay, come on, um, Psalm 46, come behold the works of the Lord. Um, okay, okay. I, I must have gone through there. 
um, let, me, let me back up a little bit where it says, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. This, this stupid thing. <laughs> Go on, okay. Back to Zechariah chapter 14. It shall be in that day. What day? The day that Jesus comes back. His feet touch the Mount of Olives. It shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. Flowing waters will flow from Jerusalem. God says there's going to be a river that comes right out of Jerusalem. Like I said, I've been there. There's no river in Jerusalem. This is Gahon Spring, but that's just this little thing underneath it. There'll be rivers of living water. Half of them will go towards the former sea, half of them towards the Hinder Sea. And most people believe that half of, the, half of it will flow down towards the Mediterranean Sea, the other half will flow down to the Dead Sea. And the Bible also predicts that the Dead Sea will come alive again. God's even going to resurrect the Dead Sea. And I'll tell you what, I like to fish. And I got a feeling that the Dead Sea is going to be one of those secret spots that you know, everybody will say, oh, there's no fish in there. One of these days, you're going to find me down at the Dead Sea throwing a, throwing a, a, a rod and reel in there, and we'll, we'll see if there's any fish in there. But um, you'll find me down there at some point. God's going to bring that, take those living waters that come from Jerusalem and literally resurrect the Dead Sea. So if you want to go down and float in the Red Sea, better do it quick. Huh? Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 46 is talking about the day that God, Jesus Christ, enters into Jerusalem. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that writer is not talking about a female. He's talking about the city of Jerusalem. Here's what, it kind of synop, it's kind of a synopsis. Of, it's, it's kind of like the, 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 the writer of the psalm is looking back and sort of poetically describing what has happened. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. That hasn't happened yet. But those who are in that situation at that time, they'll have gone through the heathen having raged, the kingdoms having been moved, God having uttered his voice, the earth. I don't know how it's going to melt, but wow. It's, this is the renovation project in full-blown mode, okay? But look what the end result is going to be. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, that word selah means just pause and calmly think of that. Think about it. God will finally be with us. All the junk that's going on in the world is going to be taken care of. Hallelujah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. That can only be describing a time in the future when God says, I'm going to wipe everything out. I'm going to start from scratch again, and we're going to make this thing happen right. Amen. One more in... Uh, that's when this verse really comes to pass. My understanding of the Bible is that there's going to be a group of people that go all the way through this time that's it's actually described as the time of Jacob's trouble. 
Maybe that's what he was referring to in verse 1. Time of Jacob's trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This world, Jesus said, has never or will never see a time of trouble like that time. That's up ahead. But God says there's going to be a group of people that go through the midst of it. Now, if any group of people had an excuse to freak out, it would be the people that saw all that stuff happen in the world, right? Those are the ones that will ultimately, that this scripture will ultimately be fulfilled in their ears. Be still. No, I am God. God says it. When it's all said and done, he'll come and take his seat in the throne of Jerusalem and he'll say, be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the final verse of Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Can you see how Psalm 46 is what I call a prophetic psalm? It hasn't been fulfilled yet. It will be fulfilled. And those words, be still and know that I am God, they will be uttered by God himself. And you know what, folks? We'll be with him. Imagine what it would be like on that day when everything happens, Jesus is finally returned, the world is freaking, what's left of the world, and the people that are left of are freaking out. And those words, be still, no, I'm God. I got a plan, and that's part of the renovation project. A couple of years ago, um, one of our, our children, our, our oldest daughter, Sarah, her and her husband, her husband was going through uh, PA school and boy, that was like, we, we didn't see him for like two years. He was just so intense. In the, and, you know, they, they had a young family, um, and they, they kind of approached us, and they said, hey, would, you, uh, w- w- would we be able to, like, get a, a, a two-family house and maybe, you know, do it? We kind of thought, that, that, that'd be kind of a cool idea. And so we decided we're going to sell our place. We're going to get a new uh, a, a two-family, and we'll, we'll move in together with our, our daughter and her husband and her family. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> there was a lot of trouble and tribulation with that, too. But God kind of worked it all out. And, uh, but we found this place. And that is what it looked like from 1895 until about the year 2000. Okay? That was a pretty cool. It was built originally in 1895. Okay, so I'm like, Wow. I mean, can you imagine what that thing must have been like in 1895? The people there must, whoa, this is like the best place ever. However, by the year 2000, it was in desperate need of renovation. And we had a chance to talk to the guy that actually did all those renovations. He was the owner of the house. And he said he literally had to tear everything out of that house. He tore all of the electricity, all of the plumbing, all the walls, everything. I mean, it was just gutted. He said he, he basically had to rebuild that house from the ground up. And I can imagine what that place must have looked like. I, I probably can't imagine what it must have looked like in the middle of that, but it was probably 
horrible, a disaster. As a matter of fact, we were talking with his wife, and she said she cried. <laughs> she literally cried. She couldn't believe how much, uh, you know, uh, how, how just daunting a project that was. But it was a renovation project. Come on. What? I, I think I get too impatient with this thing. That's, that's what it looks like after the renovation. Amen? Okay. I'm glad they did the renovation. Believe me, I would not want to live in that place. Come on, when it looked like that. Even though that was cool back in the day, it served the purpose. Much rather have it <laughs> like that. Tell you what, folks, God's renovation plan, a whole lot better than that. Matter of fact, that thing's going to be leveled too. <laughs> By the time it's all said and done. But you know, things might get a little bit uh, troublesome. We still have those words, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. I think the, the, the road ahead in some, some ways, you know, the Bible actually predicts, it, it's going to get a little bumpy. Amen? So we better just strap ourselves in, take those words, be still, and know that I am God and let them minister to your heart but just remember you're going to hear it again in its ultimate fulfillment and you know the if you study through that book or the uh, the scripture in Zechariah chapter 14 you're going to find that when Jesus returns guess who's with him we are Amen. so our feet will stand on the Mount of Olives at some point or another <laughs> but if if you want you can come with us but anyways we'll uh Here's, here's the New Testament fulfillment of that in Revelation 21.3. It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's what we have to look forward to, folks. And so... In the bumpy road ahead, let's just keep that in focus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. It will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that we've had this opportunity to look at your word. And Lord, I, I pray that today, if there's, uh, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, they don't have you as that refuge and strength. I, I pray today that they might see that you have your arms wide open for them. God, that they would trust you as their Savior. Let you be their Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the words, be still and know that you are God. Let those words minister to our hearts, Lord, but let them also remind us that we will hear you say those words when we're with you and you return in glory. So we're thankful, Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the hope that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.